I've lived in New Jersey my entire life, and I've been involved in lots of arts, acting, writing, I even married a musician. But a lot of people don't think New Jersey is known for arts and culture. Well, they're wrong. And my goal is to introduce everyone to the most talented people I know. They're singers, they're writers, they're musicians, they're actors, they're chefs, they're martial artists, they're everything you can imagine, and they're going to be on my show. Every one of them. Well, maybe not every one of them, but a lot of them. I'm Lucille Asapio, and this is Not So Famous in New Jersey. I've known my guest this week, Giancarlo Derlin, ever since we met on the stage of Brookdale Community College, playing opposite each other in the play, Lou Gehrig Did Not Die of Cancer. Now, Carlo has continued his career as an actor, but also has had much success as a writer, director, and producer. His credits include everything from television to commercials to stage productions to reviews to film. And we're going to talk about a lot of them today. I'm going to put a link so that you can go and see for yourself just how successful he's been. But we're going to talk about some pretty interesting subjects, so stay tuned. Hello, Carlo. Hello, Lucille. Can I call you Seal? I you mean, you like, can it, call it, me Seal. I mean, like, I mean, who can remember back in the antediluvian times when we met? I mean, it just whenever I think of you, I just think, oh, Seal. How many years? I don't recall. <laughs> you, liar. you met me when we did a one-act play together. Lou Gehrig did, did not, not die, die of, of cancer. cancer. Yes, and Gail was directing that. Yeah, she had seen me in Torch Song trilogy. I got to do the showcase role of a lifetime. And she saw me in drag and said, yeah, this is the guy who should be the baseball coach. And Lou Gehrig did not die. Well, I mean, sure, because you were so macho in Torch Song Trilogy. I was one of those really physical drag queens. I don't want to go and like kind of annotate every one of your credits. I've disavowed most of them. I'm going to include a link on this this podcast so that people can go and read about all your incredible achievements. And we'll talk about them as we go through. But I don't want to make it a list because that's, that's boring. So, actor, director, Mm -hmm. writer, producer, wasn't being a triple threat enough for you? Triple threat means I could suck in three different disciplines at the same time. (laughs) I think it's um, just what everyone has become. I mean, did you ever see yourself having to need to um, develop technology skills to develop, right? I mean, everybody has in this, you know, last 25 years learn that they had to multitask. You can't just say, I'm going to be an actor or I don't dance, I don't sing. And to not create your own content. I'm not saying everybody's cut out to be a writer. Right. I mean, back in the day, there were a few people who could actually write like you. Thank you. And of course, acting was the stepping stone to being a director. But now I think if you're not a multi-hyphenate, I just think that you're missing out. (laughs) The tide has gone that way. If you can't at least write stuff for yourself on spec or can't direct a scene or anything like that, the one thing I think that has come out of this fast-paced world of instant gratification, things have got to get out there fast. Back in the day, if somebody wanted to make a movie, what did we have to go through? Oh, yeah. Christ, I remember editing Super 8. (laughs) It was hell. I just think back in the day, they were more, meaning those in power, just wanted to keep you in one category. They wanted to keep the power. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that brings me to another question. Do you think it's harder to make it in this industry as a gay man or as a woman? I really don't think it matters at all anymore. As women, as queer people, I think there's been no better time for representation. Mm -hmm. There's still so much more to go. 
I watch a lot of movies or television, you know, Netflix and so on, mm-hmm. and I always like to read the credits so I can get angry. So I'll say, <laughs> okay, one woman. Oh, three women. Oh, woo. Oh, of course, it, costuming. It, you know? the la- I mean, since the Me Too movement and everything, there have been huge strides. I mean, because my husband and I, we watch a lot of comic book movies, and I'm free for a role. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone is Chris Evans, all right? How about a chubby middle-aged superhero? You should write a script. Ah, but, 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 he, 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 did, did, did. And we can talk about that oh, later. Oh, okay, all right. Let me make, make a note here. Yes. New film, yes. Okay. Hashtag, you know, when hell freezes over. But uh. Oh, you're, I've got some interesting stuff about the new film. More and more the scripts are being written by women. Mm-hmm. Female directors or female identifying directors and everything. So I think it's a really exciting time. That being said, Mm. the fact that Billy Eichner has made a relationship comedy about gay men called Bros is making headlines. One film by gay men about gay men. Studio system, by the way, yeah. I made a gay film about relationships too. Yes, we will talk about that. But I didn't get on Entertainment Weekly. No. Billy is a treasure. He's amazing. But the fact that the media is only concentrating on this first studio film to have a gay writer, producer, um, what? Well, and the thing is, if you think about it, a gay man can hide the fact that he's gay. And it's easier now, but there are still gay men that feel like they have to. But if you're a woman or a black person, you can't hide that. You know, that's what you are. I mean, the dynamics of what all of us have had to go through where there was some kind of suppression. Like, Mm -hmm. you couldn't do this because of your color, your ethnicity, your sexuality, or seeming sexuality. Yeah. I think the doors have been blown off, and at the same time, there are myriad venues now. What do you consider your biggest success? Oh, definitely Ripples of Water. Ripples of Water, your your movie? Yeah, it started as a play, actually. I nearly gave all uh, all acting up. I was very dissatisfied with things, which what led to you know ripples in theater. I I felt a lot of good things once in a while, like doing Torch Song at such a young age because it was such a big part. Mm. That was important to me. Although I was I was emotionally a wreck. I did Torch Song when I was just about twenty, and then had my nervous breakdown shortly thereafter. Do you think that it? Touched on things yeah. that you were hiding? To- yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. My, my nervous breakdown was due to the fact that it was such a, um, in a family way, to my own psychology, so terrifying to accept myself as gay Yeah. and not even wanting to acknowledge it. Yeah, I, it was buried and then it exploded, you know. Yeah. So Torch Song taught me a lot about what I could do, even though I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, let's talk about your movie, Ripples of Water. Of course, this is about relationships. Yeah, well, in, in essence, too, it's about at what age do you just give up and figure you're never going to have a relationship? Mm. You know, that love has passed you by. And we do live in a society that if you're over the age... See, something's never changed. You remember in the 70s, that old saying, of you never trust somebody over 30 or anything? <laughs> and basically, that's written over the lavender gate to being gay. Once you're over 30, you're dead. It's about a 50-year-old overweight guy who just got out of a bad relationship and is having his 50th birthday and all of a sudden meets someone who's 20 years younger at his birthday party. And it turns into this quick whirlwind thing. But he is so set on not seeing himself as, this can't happen, I can't conceive of it because this kind of love doesn't happen. Love doesn't happen, so I can't give it a shot because I don't believe it. He's lost faith in Mm -hmm. love. And the whole movie is about giving yourself a shot 
and allowing yourself to live over the fucking age of 50. Yeah. The play was done for the Rainbow Festival at a La Strada Theater in um, Ocean Grove. It was 18, I think. And then by the end of the summer, we were in production with the film. <laughs> and I kept thinking about what was the party of his birthday party like before he met the guy. Yeah. And I shared it with A.J. Ciccatelli, who's my partner in crime for so many things. You know, he listened to my ideas for making it into an independent film. And basically, we just went... Sure, let's do it. And by the end of August, we were shooting a film. We didn't. I still don't know how it happened. Got some friends said, "Can you give us your house for a week? Would you mind terribly if twenty five people moved in?" <laughs> and I like, sure, do it. Carolyn, Bruce, love you. And it became a lesson. And if you have friends and a strong desire and a clear, I guess, feeling of positivity, people will come on board. The lion's share of writing it, it went, of course, to the playwright and director of the movie, A.J. Ciccatelli. And he and I worked together on the screenplay. Because working with AJ is like working literally with a brother from another mother. How is it different to have a career in the arts when you're based in suburban New Jersey as opposed to being in New York City? Well, you save a lot of money on rent, <laughs> number one. Uh, do, do you find there are as many opportunities? I've lived in, well, you make your own opportunity no matter where you go now. There's no need to be living in New York City. I mean, especially with the... I'm talking about the before times, before the plague now. (laughs) Most, I'd say 90% of all auditions are still being done virtually, you know, with self-tapes, which I despise. Because you can do it over and over 54 times and make it perfect and then send it in. Then they still have to take a look at you in person. Right. It doesn't really matter where you live as long as you're producing something or you're trying. I mean, I Mm -hmm. still do the occasional self-tape, although I hate it. Sidebar, my agent died of COVID. (gasps) Yeah, last year. Oh, my God. And I haven't exactly been anxious to get back out there. Yeah. I want to audition again and everything like that, but these are the times that, you know, Try people's souls, I think. Did you just make that up? No, I... <laughs> yeah, actually, I did. Yes, I did. I, I wrote you really, that myself. You were taking me seriously, too. That was good. Talk about the idea that some actors sell out. In other words, they take roles that are just simply so bad, and they know they're bad. If you are taking a role that you know is bad and you do it anyway, you are already established. If not, then you are just an actor who's trying to fucking work. Mm. I don't think there is a selling out. I mean, you need to make a living. We are just a step away from being performing monkeys and wrestling bears in Elizabethan England. Mm -hmm. We want to be artists, but we can't forget we're also craftsmen. But this is what we do. Let's put it this way. I would not do anything that challenged my integrity, but I would sell out on a New York Minute. I mean, <laughs> selling out implies that there's a lot of money. Yeah. What parts have you played that are so much like you that you almost felt like you didn't have to act? I'm glad I don't have a lot of them because acting is a way of inhabiting somebody else's wants, needs, desires, and perspectives. You get to become someone else. Mm -hmm. I think I would be very, very bored playing someone like me. I am glad that I go out of my way to choose characters that are not like me because otherwise it is boring as shit. Well, which one of those was the most challenging for you? I think playing like uh, Barry in talk radio by Eric Bogosian. He was such a narcissist. Yeah, 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 I know. People think I have a big ego, but I really hate myself. Um, 
But people with big egos very Ego. often do hate themselves. Uh, no, I think my <laughs> egotism runs on the fact that I pride myself on working the hardest and making sure it's done right mm-hmm. and feeling terrible when it's not. Yeah. So I think playing that part took, took its toll on me in a good way. This is the sort of thing I want to do. I don't want to play a... I ended up getting my first major movie role because, you know, we made the play, we made the movie about a 50-year-old gay man. But the thing is, he was nothing like me, but I could identify with him. Right. To me, that's the joy in acting. What do you consider your biggest failure? Well, we really don't have that much time. (laughs) Just one. Professionally, we all fail. Otherwise, there's no reason to keep getting back up again and keep working. If you have nothing but good experiences... Then you have nothing to strive for. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I failed hideously like in one role when I thought I was hot shit too. It was even before Torch Song where I played the lead in The Fantastics, El Gallo. Mm. But I was far too young. And then the director, who shall not be named, I'm not going to even say where I did it, kept wanting me to be more macho. Back then, when I'm 17 and 18 and just trying to figure out the questions, let alone the answers, yeah. I failed horribly yeah. in that part. And I should have because I was too damn young to be doing it. Yeah. And it was just a bad thing. And other parts I wasn't right for, but I gave it the good old college try, then went out and got drunk. If yeah. you're a young actor and you haven't failed and haven't felt your performance die a pitiful death, yeah. you're never going to become a good actor. Yeah. So I embrace all my failures. I hate the fact of why that failed. You know, a, I was casting it. B, the director kept wanting more you know, masculine behavior. When acting becomes a form of pain, when I... You remember the kind of acting teachings we saw when we were younger. It was like when I met Danny Aiello. He said, I went to one acting class in the village and saw everyone lying on the ground, writhing and screaming and crying. And I turned around and walked the fuck out. One of the early plays that I did, California Suite. Oh, I love California Suite. The scene that I did was visitors from London. Yeah, the the Maggie Smith, Michael King. Yeah, great role. And the man that was uh, directing... Never gave us any feedback during the entire... No feedback. Never. At the end of the rehearsal, he'd say, Bob, Bob Shireen played uh, Mm -hmm. opposite me. Bob, that was really great. Lucille, that was terrible. Okay, I have some notes. Yeah, Um, Yeah. And I said, Bob, if he does that one more time, and I know it's just a week before the show opens, I'm dropping out. I'm out of here. So Bob, at the next rehearsal, goes, Cliff, maybe you could give Lucille some specifics. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And I'll take notes next time. A good director should be as important as the other actor on stage. They, he, they should, he or she should be with you and on your side and there to answer the questions and right. enrich, yeah. not to impose. There are certain times in a musical, yeah, if you don't step here, you're going to be killed. I mean, let's face it, moving sets or whatever. But in a play, they have to be part of the process. What do you think are the biggest challenges of someone maintaining a relationship with an artist? First of all, being with me means you have to constantly hear me bring up quotations and anecdotes from the past. Lawrence Olivier was telling Dustin Hoffman, what, what does it really mean to be an actor? And Olivier just kept motioning Dustin to come closer to him, come closer. And then Hoffman's ear is right by Olivier's mouth and he goes, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. The basis of being an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to psychoanalyze it and say that it's all because of, because I had a crap childhood. I mean, I had a lot of abuse, uh, a lot of emotional abuse. It was a shit show. But I remember wanting to be in front of people or be responsible for that, even, I think, before. People should notice you. It's asking for playtime 
to a higher degree. Like yeah. you look around and you say, oh no, this will never do. Reality, I want an alternative. Yeah. And it feels wonderful to not worry about where your next line is coming from. Even though I did learn improv years later, mm -hmm. as you've, you know, if yeah. you've done the murder mysteries and seen me. I love that from a young age of saying, I can enter into this other this alternate other world yeah, and yeah. Be, where I'm safe and secure and know what the outcomes are. Mm -hmm. And people will look at me and think mm -hmm. that I'm worth something. I need the fact that they noticed me at all. And I think we're all a little like that, mm -hmm. that it feels wonderful. And the older we get, hopefully you realize what the responsibility is too, because you can move people. And that's, I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. And you know, like I came from a household, there were six, there were six of us mm. plus my parents. So getting attention was <laughs> pretty to, hard. You had yeah. to really fight for it. Like if we had company, I would, I would always perform See, something. I was a solitary kid. I was just my mother and me after my, my father was out of the picture. And I was on my own so much. Either I had to make up things and I had mm -hmm. whole repertory companies in my head. It's out of that almost disassociation later on that I think fueled me. So anybody who's with me has to understand that there are some times where I will just want to drop out. So tell me, if you were in a jam in the middle of the night, uh -huh. who would you call? My husband. No, assuming Aside that, from him. Aside from him. That's too easy. I think I'd go out of my way to look for a good friend who's also a bit of an enemy. Someone who is... Who isn't going to get too emotional about it. But who I know has got my back, but they can be dispassionate about and be calm. Because generally speaking, if you're going to be my friend, we're all into hysterics. Yeah. Or we, we when we're, because otherwise I'm very quiet and just sit and watch the wall or just love the peace that my husband's given me in my life. But if I was in the middle of that, I'd probably, I might even call my father-in-law because, mm. you know, mm. first of all, he's an old Sicilian man and they can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and they know how to make bodies disappear. Let me tell you. So what have you written? Clutterluck. Clutterluck is the web series, mm -hmm. and I, Ripples of Water, which I co-wrote the screenplay part of it. Let's not talk about the musical I co-wrote in the year, what, 2000, that we had an off-Broadway trial. It didn't go very far, but I learned a shitload, and it was, I really learned, that was my boot camp about learning how to, you know, how and when to collaborate. So I've yet to direct a film. Directing stuff for TV and videos and everything uh, have already made me, like, lose more hair than I wanted to. <laughs> Coming up in the next uh, months, there will be something I'm directing. Well, you said that you were, you have a movie. Uh, yeah, the follow-up to Ripples of Water. I mean, we did Ripples with Robo Production, AJ directing it. And then he's done other things. He just won another Fakakta Award for it because he's just And this... what awards did that, did that uh, oh, movie get? It won Audience Award at QFlix in Philadelphia. It won the Silver Award at the Philadelphia International Film Festival Market. So two awards in Philadelphia, New Jersey Film Festivals. <laughs> wouldn't even let us in, not calling not huh. calling you out on it. Uh -huh. You know, I got an acting award that meant a lot for me from Deep Focus uh, Film Festival and everything. Mm. It's really nice. But for the whole film, a tiny little film, I mean, it got Palm Springs. We went out there for Queer Fest and I'd say, what, was it like 20 film festivals? And then right. now it's on streaming. It's on Apple. It's on Amazon. It's uh, on Tubi for free if you don't want to pay for it. Check uh, out Tubi. Yeah, and Ripples of, course, of Water. And Prime, Prime, <laughs> of course, Amazon Prime and things. It's our follow-up going to be coming now yeah. with the same, except this time... It's and what's a, the name of the movie that's coming? It's called, well, tentatively... Working title. Okay, working title is Where Were We? So last time it was AJ's play, then this time it's my story. Is this autobiographical in any way? 
No, but it's inspired by the diversity and communion we had with each other when we were younger and how we nearly all fucking lost it and we should never be too old to fight against what is happening. Given the state of things and making a full movie, we're talking about last summer, making a movie in this climate, AJ and I have actually come up with a subtitle for this movie. The movie that tried to kill us. (laughs) Well, Carlo, I can't believe we've come to the last question. Oh my goodness. Now, the both of us got our start in community theater or college theater. What did you learn from that, and who impacted you the most in terms of staking out a career in the arts? Working with people who were so good. We know there are some people who walked around with attitudes and still were talented. And you, I, I think what I realized was being a good actor does not necessarily mean you're a good person. But the people I ended up remembering who made the best impact on me were both. And they're damn few. I think one of the people who influences me the most, who I worked with in high school, and then he went on to make his own films, and he's also in Ripples, and he, he was also in Clutter Law because he's brilliant and everything. He's my buddy, Doug Bollinger. He's just this beautiful man who was one of the high school people who never gossiped, who was always decent and mature, and I only knew like three or four of those people. And the Doug Bollinger I knew in 1985 who was a great actor, great athlete, all-around friend, is the exact same person I'm working with now, who I know I could trust to the ends of the world. And we're talking about a long time. And that's who you should call if you're in a big jam. (laughs) Yeah. But to this day, when I'm working with Doug, I go, you know what? That's the kind of person I wish I could be. I was saying to Gary, Lenny Bruce died penniless. I said, yeah, but Gary... Everybody remembers Lenny Bruce. Yep. Lenny Bruce. And what do what do people want more than anything? They want to be remembered. And he is definitely, he's the most successful comedian ever. That non-compromising nature of the sanctity of the freedom of yeah. expression has lived on. Now's the time to be creating content. I mean, we didn't even bring up the fact that how I make a living is through doing murder mysteries for 20 years, traveling, and then the bottom fell out of the world. We started doing them online, and for two years, I've been making a living doing murder mysteries online around the globe. I I just hope you and I can do something again. You know what? I think it's about time you wrote something new. I I will help you get it up. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) You're going to help me get it up? No, that's my job. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I, I love your writing. I mean, We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. Hey, well, you know how to find we'll me. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Don't my damn detective voice. Yeah. Carlo, thank you so much I for coming you, today. I love you. You brought back a lot of memories. Great. I love the arts, and I love to talk, and that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio, and this is Not So Famous in New Jersey. I have been having a great time doing this podcast, and I wanted to give you a little update. I will be posting a new conversation every month on the first Sunday of the month. Let me know what you think of my podcast, and let me know if there are artists in New Jersey or associated with New Jersey that you think I should be interviewing. And maybe I will.